Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Lisa Archer with Keller Williams Realty in Charlotte, North Carolina. Last year, she closed 163 transactions with a total sales volume of $41 million. Her average sales price was $256,000, of which 51% were buyers and 49% were sellers. She has an eight-member team in Charlotte, two listing agents, two buyer agents, one showing agent, one director of opportunity generation, one marketing coordinator, one head of administration, and one team leader. Plus, she has a four-member administrative team in Mississippi and two expansion agents in Birmingham and Chicago. Production numbers are based on the Charlotte team only. Lisa Archer is the team leader of the Live Love Homes team. She's been an agent for 10 years. In this call, Lisa talks about how she started in real estate with her father, why a phone call from a friend tripled her business the following year, how she developed the Live Love concept, why she's growing her business with expansion teams in two other states, and why she believes she can grow to 100 expansion agents in three years, how she generates 35% of her business by referrals from other agents using Facebook and digital door knocking, her daily prospecting 555 plan to her sphere of influence that generates 30% of her business and only takes 30 minutes per day. Why relationship building is the key to her long-term success. The core questions she asks when prospecting for sell-by owners and expired listings. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Lisa. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, Lisa, it's great to have you. Lisa, before we talk about what you're doing today, Let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, before I got into real estate, I actually was in banking. So it's not too far of a stretch that I went from sales to sales, and yet it's completely different. I was a uh, manager of a bank, small local at the time, who got bought by one of the big boys, and I could see the writing on the wall in the corporate field. I had had a very successful branch manager position. And I just didn't feel like I was treated like a valued member of the team. I had gone out on maternity leave, and I was driving at the time before that about an hour and 15 minutes one way to my office every single day and, you know, an hour and 15 minutes home. And I went out on maternity leave, and I I asked them prior, uh, you know, I said, you know, if anything opens up closer to my house, I'd appreciate the opportunity to interview, interview for the position. I did have the number one branch in the city, and... When I came back from maternity leave, which I took nine weeks instead of the 12 that I was allowed, I came back to my first manager's meeting, and there are two brand new people. And when we went around the room to introduce people, I was told that they were at, um, both of them, within five minutes of my house. 
And it <laughs> was just one of those things. I said, okay, great. I waited a couple of months, got my um, bonus, and then I put uh, my two weeks in. And I decided, you know, I didn't need to work there. And I, my dad, he'd gotten his real estate license a couple of years prior and decided, you know, this, you'd be really good at this. You're good at the people, you know, good at talking to people. You're good at sales. And so I was able to join his team. And at the time, um, I became his ISA, so his inside sales agent. Before that position was actually official, you know, nobody had one. Nobody knew what it was. And it just evolved from there. And I eventually took over the team a couple years later. How long were you in the banking industry? So I graduated from college, and then I went immediately into that as my job at three years. And it was fortuitous that your father had just gotten his real estate license and asked you to join his team. So that was an easy uh, transition for you. You didn't have to think too much. No, I didn't have to think about it at all. It was very easy. He said, you know, he said, I've got something, you know, I think you can do this from home. Colin set my appointments, you know, Colin set my appointments for me. You know, I just, and I dove in and did it because, you know, I'm not just going to be able to, you know, I'm not one of those people that can sit around even while, you know, I had a infant at the time. So I started sending his appointments and sending him out, you know, with people and, you know, and I, the ISA world didn't even exist back then. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting because that's always been my favorite thing about real estate is the lead generation piece. And lead conversion. That's such a critical part. How long were you in the ISA position before you you went out and started in the sales position in real estate? I started with him about February of 2005, and I got my license February 2006. Okay, so you were an ISA for maybe a year? Probably about a year. Mm -hmm. I I, I would go on appointments with him. I'd shadow. Not not that he knew exactly, you know, not that he was great at what he was what he was doing. I just wanted to, you know, learn like the contracts and, you know, what the, what a listing presentation looks like and, you know, some of that type of stuff. And it, it's, it's very interesting now. <laughs> but you came in, you learned, as we just mentioned, the most critical part of the business, that lead conversion part, the connecting with the people and, and qualifying them, finding out what their needs and wants are. What did you learn in that first year in that ISA position? I learned that lead generation is the only piece. If, if you can't lead generate, you can't do anything else. Like that is the most critical part of real estate. You have to learn how to, and on our team, we don't use the word leads. We use opportunity. So we actually opportunity generate. And every single person, they hate to be called a lead. They're a person. They're a human. They, you know, they're an opportunity. They may not be buying or selling or investing right this second, but they probably know somebody. And when you let them know what you do in a non-salesy and threatening way, then opportunities are going to come along because now you just become top of mind again. And staying in touch with people and converting and just continuously reaching out and touching them, that's the most important thing. And I learned that very early on. Lisa, when you got into the business with your license in 2006, when you, when you actually got your license started to make sales, do you think you had a fast start or a slow start? Well, so back in 2006, 2005, 2006, the first part of 2007, you could put a sign in the yard and it sold in days. And it's kind of funny because we've kind of almost cycled back to that. So we did have a fast start. Even, you know, I had a one-year-old at the time. We had a huge fast start. We'd put signs in the yard. They'd sell. We'd um, go out with buyers and, you know, we'd find what they wanted and we could get them under contract. Back then you could get a loan 
very easily. <laughs> we don't have any of that anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just one of those things. It was a fast start because because of the timing when I got in and because of what we were doing. You know, we were door knocking. We were postcard prospecting. We were, you know, doing a lot of things in getting out in, in front of as many people as possible. Are you still working with your father today or did you branch out? No, he leads the entire admin side of our business. So about a year, 2006, 2007, it's funny, he he teaches a class. He was the head of technology for our Keller Williams office back then and for several years. And he would teach a class on how to help agents create their websites. And he'd always tell them, I love, love, love real estate, but I can't stand realtors. I can't stand mortgage professionals. I can't stay... (laughs) and attorneys and it's just really funny because he loves people and he's just like that's his that's his joke so it became it came the joke around the office well that's why Lisa's taking over because Larry hates everybody (laughs) (laughs) and it was it was just and he he'll he'll say that he'll talk he'll talk and talk and talk and talk on a listing presentation I thought we'd walk out something like we'd have been in there 30 minutes left if you had kept your mouth shut so (laughs) it it became that okay and then I I would get you know I'd go back or we'd go back and we'd get things signed and I'd miss signatures and or I'd miss them signing the disclosure and miss initials on this or miss the date on that so it really became where he got to do the things that he loves and he's good at so like he became the admin side and I was out working with the people and much more efficient in that, and he's way better at getting the um, everything signed and keeping us legal and all of that. So he literally became my assistant, which that sounds crazy. It's what he wanted to do. When you joined him, was it just the two of you? Mm-hmm. So you all kind of grew and developed together, and then you discovered which roles would work best for you, and it sounds like you took the sales lead and he took the administrative lead. Absolutely. And I, I, I say all the time, his, his role was way more important than mine was. He kept us legal. He, he, he got the paperwork signed. He, he made it where, you know, I could go out and meet people, and I could go out and we could, you know, decide whether they're going to buy, sell, invest. And then I had to get everything to him, and he had the hard part. Although he'd say it's exactly the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, it's, but it's a symbiotic relationship. You all worked it well together. That's fantastic. So how long have you now been in real estate? I'm trying to add that all up. Was that about 10 years? It's right at 10 years, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how many homes did you sell last year? Last year we sold um, 163 homes, right at $41 million in volume. How many homes did you sell in your best year and what year was that? 2013 we sold 301 homes, right at $50 million in volume. I'm kind of hearing that, and I'm, I make sure I got that right. It sounds like the volume changed from 2013 to 2014. It went down by uh, about half in the number of units, mm-hmm. but it sounds like the average sales price went up by about the same, about about a half. Yeah, it did. So we, uh, we what were happened? Work- um, in 2013, we were working with a um, hedge fund, and we were helping them purchase a lot of you know initial starter homes that they were able to then run out. And then when the market improved so much last year, there wasn't as many homes for them to purchase. So we decided that it was in our best interest to stop um, working that route and go back to regular residential real estate, which we do well and thrive on. And we've been able to increase our average price point. Wow, that's pretty exciting. So you were working with a hedge fund, helping them purchase properties. Do you do property management for them now? No, absolutely not. North Carolina is a weird 
expert on um, property management. Our, our particular brokerage, we don't have property management and residential real estate, you know, where we can do both easily. So, and it's just something I've never thought about getting into. How did you get in with a hedge fund? How did that come about? Well, it, it happened from a relationship. And I can say that just about every opportunity that I've been given in this business has come from relationships. Whether it was, you know, Keller Williams event, or if it was a um, in the news event, or if it was like a NAR event. I thrive on um, education. I'm always wanting to learn because if we're not learning, we're, we're dying. And so I, I, I attend a lot of educational events and I meet a lot of people and I make a point of making, you know, meeting and making, you know, important, impactful contact and, you know, getting into relationship with people, um, not just because of who they are, just because it's just what I've always done. That's how we were so successful early. I went to my first Keller Williams event before I even had a license and I've, I've met some of the top producers in our company and we're still really good friends to this day and that's just that's been one of the one of the blessings I would say of what you know what I've done in in real estate is I'm very proud of the relationships I have. And so where did you meet the person in the hedge fund business? Was that just a, a personal connection? I was introduced from an agent who was already working with them and he's and literally he called me one day and he said, "Are you driving?" I said, "I am." And he said, all right, well, don't wreck your car, but I need, I want to introduce you to somebody that, you know, will double your business next year. And it not just, it didn't double it. It actually tripled it because we had wow. sold 100 units, 99 and a half units the year before. So that was through a connection. And, and so the other agent, were they in your local market or another market? They were in a different market. The hedge fund just wanted to expand into uh, Charlotte. Yep, that's exactly what happened. Let's do this. Let's step back for a minute and tell everybody, where is Charlotte, North Carolina? Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, it's above South Carolina. It's below Virginia. It's on the um, East Coast. And it sits in between the uh, mountains and the beach. Literally, it's on, on I-85. If you have, we're looking at a map, go through Raleigh, go through Charlotte, then you head down to like Greenville, South Carolina, and Atlanta. So that's where we are. Do you know what the population is there in Charlotte? In the metro, it's a little bit over a million now. People like to refer to us as a uh, miniature Atlanta. <laughs> Lisa, can you please describe your current real estate market? The Charlotte market is, is it's actually really, really hot. Um, I've been on several listing appointments this week, and you know the sellers were all like, all, all had the same questions. They all said, you know, what happens if we put it on today versus what, what happens if we put it on two months from now? And my answer is, is always the same. It's always better to sell now, and especially right now, it's August. It's right before school starts, and it's the best time of year to sell, in my opinion. Because people, especially that are coming from the north or other parts of the country, they all typically start school after Labor Day, and we don't. We start really early here compared to other parts of the country. And so it's a really good time to get your house in the market, not only for the locals, but for all the people that are coming in from outside of the country when they you know, think they're coming to visit and they have a, you know, a month or so before their kids start school, then they get here and find out, oh, gosh, school starts much earlier than we thought. So it's a mad rush to actually find a house. Our market is hot. Most areas of Charlotte are on trending upward. The average sales price is around 180. So you can get a really nice house in Charlotte 
versus, you know, other places and the cost of living is really low. Do you have a, a niche or a specialization in your market? So we have a very specialized team. We have, you know, we have luxury agents. We have agents who specialize in in land and in, um, up, you know, the uptown area. We have agents who've um, taken classes and courses on how to best help the military. Um, it's a really big fo- focus for us that we have um, an internal program, so to speak, and we call it Live Love Heroes. Like everything with our team has got the Live Love concept around it, and um, we like to love on and offer, you know, some sort of a discount to like our heroes. So firefighters, police, medic, teachers, um, anybody in the medical profession, and especially our veterans. And the, the name of your team is? Live Love Homes. How did you come up with that name? Well, it originally started as Live Love Charlotte. So, you know, I was, I had not even considered expansion four years ago when I named my team. It had always been my, it had been my dad's name, like my maiden name before that. And I knew as I was going to grow the team that it did, it's very hard for people to remember, you know, all three of my names. So like remembering that Lisa Archer is also Lisa Ludlow Archer. And our team was team level at the time. And I decided, you know, I want it to be bigger than that. I want it to be, you know, specialized. And I want it to be local. And I want it to be like a brand that people would recognize and remember. So I was literally at a, um, I was in New Orleans with uh, Chris Smith, who was with Inman at the time. And we were discussing, you know, names. And we were on GoDaddy. And we were trying to find something that not only, you know, made it, you know, local for the city and the community and something that would be catchy. And we just kept going. We're literally on the app on my phone and it's going through names and through names and through names. And this one, Live Love Charlotte was available. I bought it, went home, sent it to a friend of mine to get the first website iteration up and it's taken on a life of its own from there and been copied and replicated and duplicated numerous times since. We're going to want to jump into quite a bit of that in a minute, especially it sounds like you're doing some work with expansion. And I, in fact, why don't we go ahead and just talk about that real briefly? You know, that that seems to be kind of a hot buzzword or concept right now is expansion teams. It sounds like you're you're toying with that a little bit. What are you doing with uh, expansion teams? Well, so first and foremost, expansion is you know it's the new. I I think it's the next generation of real estate getting your systems and getting your, you know, hub team, so Charlotte, so to speak, getting your hub team up, operating, working, um, the systems in place, the people in place, you know, the admin in place, the leaders in place, and getting everything moving, grooving, you know, going full speed, and then taking that and inserting it into another market. That's, I mean, that's for the lack, for simplistic terms, that's what expansion is. And we've, I've been working through, and I will say that because I, I think I told you, I'm one of those people that I can try anything, and even if I fail, I don't feel like I've failed because I know I've learned something, and I'm okay to do that. So I've done, um, we've had several expansion teams that we've opened. We've had some that we've closed. We have currently three markets that we are fully operational in and thriving and growing and we're looking at um, two to three more by the end of the year. We know what works. We know what doesn't work now. We know the things to look out for. We know the people, type of people that we want to be in business with that will do well in this model. 
because sometimes it's not always about the person. It could also be about the location, about their average sales price, how many referrals you get into a certain market. And there's just a lot of things that you learn that you don't, won't necessarily be able to tell on the initial research trip, <laughs> so to speak. What are the three markets that you're currently in? So we're in Charlotte, and then we are in Birmingham, Alabama, and we are in Chicago, Illinois. Wow. Yeah. So those are in different states. Absolutely. How did you choose those other markets? Well, so Birmingham was uh, was definitely all about a person. I have a close friend from high school who messaged me around October, I guess, and she said, so take your friend hat off and advise me on what I should do about getting my real estate license here in Alabama. And I knew she lived around Birmingham. And I said, well, what, you know, I was, I was half joking and I wasn't because I don't really joke about things like business. And I said, well, how does Live Love Birmingham sound? And she's like, oh, stop. Just tell me who I need to, you know, reach out to to join a KW office. And I said, and, and, and that was all based on things that she's just seen me say and post and do over the last couple of years on Facebook about building my team. She knew that KW was the place she wanted to go, which I thought was really cool. And she said, just introduce me to somebody. I know you, I know you know somebody. Well, I had her go in and I had her talk to a team leader who is a rock star. And she, you know, she was, she, she literally said to her, she's like, why wouldn't we do an expansion? And so Michelle, who's my um, expansion partner in Birmingham now, she said, well, I didn't really think Lisa was serious. So I, I, I you know, we had a conversation. She's gone to the um, expansion training, training that KW offers. And she's been up and operational for about four months. I think it was in May, maybe. And um, she's got... 10 active listings. She's had three or four closings. She's got probably 10 active buyers, and she's going five to five to six listing appointments a week. She's it's been amazing. You've helped her get up and running really quickly, and let's break that down for everybody. So, I'm sorry. Did you say her name was Michelle? Her name's Michelle. What do you do for Michelle, and what does Michelle do for you? How's the relationship set up? It's literally set up that, so I have an inside sales team. I've got, um, we have a director of lead generation, which that's what the outside world calls her. She's technically the opportunity generation director. And she sits in my office in Charlotte. Her name's Lauren. I can actually see her right now. And she, her job is she manages a team of inside sales and outside sales agents. And they set appointments. We Whatever leads or, you know, come in off of our signs or come in off of our internet marketing or come in off of our postcards or come in off of Realtor.com or Zillow or doesn't matter where they come from, her team calls them first. Her team reaches out to them first. Her team is, you know, sending them emails or text messages and phone calls and they're developing, making sure, developing a relationship and making sure that these people are ready to then speak to Michelle. They're setting appointments, whether they're phone appointments or they're in-person appointments, and they're putting these appointments on Michelle's calendar. Michelle goes and meets with clients. She calls them. She decides, yeah, you're nay, we're taking, you know, we want to work with these people as well. And then Michelle goes on the appointments. Michelle develops the relationships with the clients. Michelle sends them back over to our admin team, who also is the same admin team for both Charlotte and Chicago. And our admin team takes care of everything else. All the paperwork's handled in Charlotte? It's handled by our admin team, which is not in Charlotte, no. Our admin team is actually physically located in Mississippi. So we don't get preferential t- treatment in Charlotte either. <laughs> How many people are on your admin team? Uh, four. 
So is your hub in Charlotte or Mississippi? The hub is in Charlotte, but our admin team is in Mississippi. And the admin team is doing what? They're doing uh, contract management and listing management? They're doing transaction closing. They're doing listing management. And we have really good systems for all of it. So we use Dotloop for our um, transaction management, and we use um, things like Brivity and Curator for our listing management. Brivity for our listing management, and then we use Curator as our entire CRM and marketing. And that's what's keeping everybody together across the state lines. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're in four states, if I'm adding up correctly at this point. Yeah, technically. I'm sure some people are going to be listening and, and have this question. You've got these people running in Mississippi. They're handling people's contracts in three other states, Alabama, North Carolina, and Illinois. Are there any issues with them not being licensed in those states? No, they they don't they don't negotiate they don't they don't um, discuss repairs they literally do our paperwork and um, our lead admin has does have her license in Mississippi like so she's been in real estate for twenty plus years she knows what she's doing she and she knows what she you know where she needs to refer back to the agent and quite frankly I want my agents to negotiate repairs I want my agents to negotiate everything that's you know negotiable item because they're the ones who know the property they know the client and they represent them why did you set up your admin team in Mississippi and not in Charlotte right next to you it just it happened that way we were, we were in the middle of the um, working with the uh, hedge fund and we needed additional admin and we brought them on to literally write contracts for us. And they did such a good job at just writing the contracts piece that it, made it, it just evolved into the perfect opportunity because we did have an in-house transaction coordinator and she, had, she went out on, um, she got sick and she had to retire, so to speak. And it just, it made sense for them to keep going because they knew us. They knew how we wrote contracts. They knew our contracts as good or better than we did because they wrote so many during that time. And it's just all from there. Is your admin team, are they contracted to you or are they employees of yours? They are employees. You also have an expansion team in Chicago. Tell me how that started up. Chicago is actually a funny one. So Kelly Williams has a training class that's called Expansion Systems Operations, ESO for short. And I was at the ESO training last August, and the team leader and the owner of the Chicago Market Center that we're in was literally sitting behind myself and my director of expansion. And she leaned up and said at one point during the class, she said, you're going to be our first expansion team. And, of course, my response to her was, Colleen, I have no reason to go to Chicago. It is so far away, and it is so cold, and I never want to visit there during the winter. So why would I open an office in Chicago? She said, because I'm there, and I'm going to find the perfect person. I said, well, you do that, and then we'll talk. Well, she didn't immediately go back and start interviewing people. (laughs) And then, lo and behold, she called in um, January, February, and said, I think I have the perfect person. And I said, Colin, I still don't think I want to go to Chicago. The, you know, the laws are so different, and I don't know anything about the market. And like I said, it's really cold in the winter, and I don't want to visit. And she said, if I promise you this person is perfect, will you at least you know, interview them? And so we started talking to Kim. So Kim actually runs our expansion team, and she's been an agent for about a year, and she's fantastic, and she's great on her own, but she wanted to grow and be even better in, inside of our system. She saw the opportunity to do that and grow something huge. 
so we started dating, so to speak. I, I'm really big on not getting married, you know, early on, and uh, especially in a business relationship. And so we decided we were going to date, date, date Kim, so to speak. And so we started sending her uh, potential opportunities for listings and potential opportunities for buyers, and we would do them under a referral agreement. And then when we turned our lead generation systems on in Chicago, because the market is so huge it literally just almost exploded our um, opportunity intake system. And, you know, Lauren's like, Lisa, I don't know what to do. We're going to have to figure out, a, a, we, like, we need to put these people in the system so where they're, they're getting our, you know, our drip emails and that w- they're getting called sooner because there's no way in the world Kim can handle this many people coming in at one time. And I said, all right, well, you know, they say it is so, you know, try to drown them and if they can swim they're the right person and if they sink then maybe they're not so we just started sending her more and more and more and I think she's putting out on the market about she's been with us since the middle of May and she's got like 15 listings and she's had six or seven closings and I don't even know how many buyers she's got right now so she's been amazing mm-hmm. so it sounds to me like you currently have one person in each of these expansion markets is that correct mm-hmm what is the goal? Is the goal to put multiple people in each of those markets or just continue this model where you have one person in other markets? So we get them up and running and we get, and so now in both locations and with Kim, we've been looking since literally day one, finding her more agents and they're, they're going to be her choice though. So she, she knows how to hire. She knows, um, she follows the same Keller Williams hiring process that we do, um, you know, multiple interviews and personality and behavioral assessments just to see, you know, how we would work well, how we would work together, what would, what would be our challenges, what would be our opportunities to, you know, the best way to coach someone. And so she's working on and has been, um, and the good news is Colleen, so that Colleen's a team leader there. She's been looking as well to help find somebody that, that can, you know, go in and help her. So she's going to grow a team. She can grow it as big as she wants to. And if somebody were to come to me that's, you know, an hour outside of Chicago and say, I'd love to join the team, I'm going to introduce them to Kim because there is definitely overflow in, you know, the, um, the markets there. So I'm not going to choose people for her. It's her team. We're, we're, we're partnered there with her and we support her and she's going to grow it as she uh, finds talent that can work well with her and work with her, with her clients. Same thing in Birmingham. That's Michelle's team. Michelle's going to grow it. We're going to help her and assist her in any way possible. Being that she is new, she, you know, her thing right now is she's going through as much training as possible and working with her clients. <laughs> What kind of compensation or financial arrangement do you have between you and, as the hub and the expansion agents? Without getting into specifics, because I won't do that, that's not fair to either party, it's very similar to being on, on the Charlotte team. It's, it's really just the same because we offer the same admin support. We offer the same, we set their, you know, we set their appointments. We offer that, you know, it's just, we do what we take care of all the marketing and it's really very similar to, as being on a team. It's just, they get the, they get to um, be the leader there and they get to grow it. <laughs> and that's the part that, that'll play out over the next few years and we'll see how that goes. But conceptually, it's, it's the same idea as if you just took a little more office space in your current office in Charlotte and put an agent in it. Absolutely. 
but technology has allowed you to, instead of taking the space literally next door, you're taking the space in the next state or in an office in another state Absolutely. and putting an agent in there and they're tapping into your, your administrative systems and also your marketing systems, it sounds like, to go ahead and get a quick jump start and grow their business. Absolutely. You've been playing with this. And you've had some successes and you've had some failures. What were the failures and why did they not work out? Well, so there's a couple, couple of key things that you, I, I don't know that you would ever, that you could ever know if you're, you know, on the forefront of doing something like expansion and, you know, where, where you can think that you've got, you know, all your I's dotted and T's crossed and you actually get in and start having transactions close. You're going to realize that, you know, we've gone into two markets two or three, actually three, three markets that where the price point was so low, average sales, you know, average price point, like just for an example, three different markets we went to, the average sales price was like 120, 125,000. So you're looking at a $4,000 commission when something closes. So you take that $4,000 and I generate so many referrals, like agent to agent referrals. So you automatically know off the top, 25% 25% is coming off to pay the referring agent. And then you've got to split the rest of that between the team and, or the hub, so to speak, the hub for the marketing and the agent and then the market center. Because, of course, you know, the market center's got a cap. And there's just not enough left over for the agent or the hub, so to speak, to pay everyone. You know, so it's just one of those things you've, and those, you wouldn't necessarily know that until you realize, oh, we're getting a ton of referrals. Now, when this happens, we, you know, nobody, we don't, nobody makes any money. So it was one of those things that it doesn't matter how great the agent is, even if she was closing, you know, 10 deals a month, it's still not enough to cover how much work she did on 10, 10 deals for that month. We had some great agents that we, that are perfect for expansion. Their market just doesn't work. Does that make sense? Sure, a low price point doesn't work. Is what's the magic price point number you think that that makes it all start to work? It's about 180, 200 better. But you know, it's it's one it's it's you got to play around with it. If it's not a referral and it's a lead we generated, that's great. But I get so many referrals. About you know, 35, 40 percent of our closings are agent to agent referrals. Say that again. How many? About 35 to 40 percent. Good. And, and in a minute, we're going to get into that and how you're doing that. That's fantastic. A couple more questions on the expansion teams. You said that you've been experimenting. You've learned about what works and what doesn't. You just mentioned price point. How about the people? I assume you're looking for a certain type of person to fit that position in these other markets. What are you looking for? Well, a self starter, a go, you know, somebody that's, that when they get up in the morning that, you know, they're going to look inside their CRM, so to speak, and they're going to see the tasks that are assigned and the appointments that they've got, and then they're going to go above and beyond that. It's, you know, somebody who's a great self-lead generator as well, because you just cannot rely solely on everything that the team sends you. And it's not that we've had agents who really didn't do that, but we ha- it has to be high, highly driven, but they don't have to have their name and lights. You know, because the team name's going on the sign, and then of course their writer is going to have their name. But it's not; it can't be all about them. And it's, and I definitely don't want it to be all about us, because I want to help them build their team, and reach their goals, 
And for me to do that, they've you know got to be willing to be a self-starter and they've got to be a lead generator, so to speak, by nature and be willing to, you know, go on five listening appointments a week because that's what it's going to take to reach their goals. Do you use the DISC personality profile test? We use the DISC and we use the ABA. On the DISC, what are you looking for? Mid to high D would be great. Uh, mid to high I is awesome. And then somebody with a little bit of C, not not because I don't really need them to do the paperwork, but I need them to be somewhat detailed to make sure they get everything to our admin team. And it's not that an S won't work. It's just that most of the time an S is not as driven as uh, you know a D would be. I've got two of my best buyers agents are SIs, and they're fantastic because they're well, they're loyal and they're you know they're going to do the same thing over and over and over again every single day. So, but the best on expansion so far that we have found has been someone with a mid to high D and a mid to high I. Anything else that you would advise someone who's thinking about doing an expansion? Anything else that you think that they should know about? Well, I, w- I would say regardless of what company you're with or what what part of the, part of the country you're in, that you take the expansion class because even if you weren't were never to to expand, it's such a good business class to to find the holes and find the um, things in your hub team, so to speak, your current team, your current business, that, you know, you could work on. And it's go- if it does nothing else, it's going to improve your business. That's a Keller Williams class, right? So that is a Keller Williams class. But Keller Williams allows outside agents or agents not within its franchise system to attend its classes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for walking us through that. Let's move on and talk about something you just brought up. We're we're moving into lead generation. And you mentioned that you get 35 to 40% of your business from agent to agent referral. How is that even possible? What are you doing with that? Well, so I spend a lot of time, as I said before, cultivating and increasing the amount of actual relationships I have. I, I go to a lot of training events. I go to, and I teach. I go to a lot of, um, I think I've taught in like seven different market centers this year, and I go in and I teach. And you just you just mentioned, you know, KW does allow non-KW agents to come into our training. Well, the same thing happens when I go to a market center. I go to, into a market center, and we freely teach each other what's working in our market, what's not working, the um, you know successes and the challenges we've had, how we've overcome them. So I teach a lot. You know, I, I've learned so much from other people that it's one of the things that I feel like I can now give back with you know past experiences, both successes and challenges, and just being able to um, go in and meet people. And so I, we do get a lot of referrals from that. And I speak a lot at, you know, different different events that are, you know, not necessarily KW. Um, I've been to, a, you know, a Cole Banker event. I've been to a Century 21 event. I've gone to NAR several times um, and then events all the time. So I just have met a lot of people. I've met a lot of agents. I have a very big presence on social media. And then I, I'm, I just, I, I find that it's just, it's all about the relationship and just continuing to, you know, pay attention and, you know, learn about other people and give to them. You know, if I if I see somebody, if somebody in my office is asking, who do you know in Seattle? Well, I'm going to message them and make an introduction via Facebook to an agent I know in Seattle or in Utah or it doesn't matter where. I do a lot. I connect a lot of people that have nothing to do with me. And, I, you know, you you give and then you get. So... I think by, you know, my 
really coming from contribution and wanting to help others and connect them, that it's come back twofold. Let's look at that systematically, what you're doing. I assume you ha- you've created a system to incubate these referrals to make them happen. For instance, are you creating a, an agent database? Have you, are you collecting the names and contact information from these agents that you meet when you're teaching and speaking? Do you take their, their information when they registered for the class or do you ask for their business cards during the class? First of all, are you collecting their information and putting it into the database? And if so, how? My goal is early on when I went to like different events was to collect as many business cards as possible and then come back, put them in our database, which we, we use the, the term data bank. I feel like, you know, it's your bank of business for the future. And when you love on it and you, you know, feed it and it grows, then just like your bank account, it's going to do the same thing. So we, we refer to our database lovingly as our data bank. And so I would come back and I'd put those people in our data bank and I would, Early on, so like 05, 06, 07, 08, I would send a personal note to every single person that I met, just, you know, where we met. It was great to meet you. Let us know if you ever need anything. And once you get so many of those, year after year after year, you know, I, I used to have this box of business cards that was probably thousands. And, you know, at some point I did actually throw them away. But now it's more, I don't take a business card from every single person. If somebody literally takes the time to come up and introduce themselves and tell me something about them, I do take their business card. I write something on it. So then when I get back, either I can send them a personal note or I make sure that Sharon puts them in our databank and I can send them an email or I friend them on Facebook. It is systematic, but I don't. it's not everyone anymore. And it's not because I don't want to. It's just because we, we do probably have, I would say, a good 4,000 agents in our databank just from over the years, meeting people. And, you know, we send them a couple emails a year just to say hi. You know, if if you need anything, we're here. Making sure their contact information has stayed the same in case we have a referral going, you know, to their direction. And then I do most, but most of my interaction with agents is on social. I have a, I have every agent that I'm friends with. I think it's about 2,800 agents of my almost 5,000 friends, and it's probably more than that. I just don't have them all categorized correctly and on the right list. But I have put just about everybody I can think of on a list so that, you know, if I'm looking for an agent in wherever, I can go to the list for agent California and I can find my California agents quickly and figure out who, who I need to send a referral to. But for more than that, it's like I have a system on Facebook that I follow every day as part of my opportunity generation time, and it literally takes me less than 15 minutes, and I can go in and you know have some sort of meaningful touch with about 75 people, and I call it the 555 plan. So I have five um, lists on Facebook that I w- you know want to touch every single day. One of them is my close friends. Um, one of them is family. One of them is um, the agent referral group, that, and I've called it that. It's, it's my list. I've called it the agent referral. Um, another one is clients for life, and another one is local Charlotte Sphere. And that Charlotte Sphere people would be anybody who, you know, goes to church with us or is on my kid's baseball team or goes to kid's school or dances with my daughter or my vendors that are local. So anybody that's local or even some very few but a couple of local agents so I have those five lists every day, and it literally takes me 15 minutes. I do it while I, my kids go to charter school, so I get to drop them off, and I get to pick them up because they go to a great school. And so I'm in line for about 15 minutes 
waiting to drop them off in the morning. And so I, I open up that close friends list and I'll go down and I'll just like five different status updates, comment on five different ones, and either say happy birthday to five different people if there's five on that list, or I send them a personal message or write on their wall. And it's really simple. It has nothing to do with sales. It's, it's either one of two things. It's either happy birthday or, hey, I was thinking about you, just wanted to say hi. Nothing big. And by doing that, I just touched, you know, 15 people. And then I do the same thing on the other four lists. And at the end of that, I've, you know, had some sort of meaningful connection with 75 people. All 75 people got a notification that Lisa either liked their status or commented on it or I sent them a personal message or wrote on their wall. And it's, it's just an easy way to stay top of mind with people. Meaningful. I'm not just going to like five things. I've got to be careful what I, you know, I'm not just aimlessly, you know, liking stuff because you've got to be careful, especially right now when, you know, the politics is going on. So <laughs> it's meaningful. Somebody had a new baby. I mean, you're looking for certain things, especially in the past client list. Somebody had a new baby. Oh, great. I get to then send them a gift card and a card in the mail and tell them congratulations. And, you know, when they get it, if, especially if they're, you know, somebody that's already done business with us, they might be thinking about getting a bigger house. Or the same thing when they're sending your kids to college. Or, you know, somebody's getting a divorce. You know, there's a whole bunch of things you're looking for. But you're not, you, know, you, you are intentional about what you're doing. I just talked to Charles Pence and he mentioned you're looking for life changes. Sounds like that's what you're doing, a, a life change. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I'm not, and it's not all about that. If somebody posted their pictures, you know, recently for us, especially local, all the kids are going back to school. I like all of that. I, you know, I love to see back to school pictures. I just took a picture of mine two weeks ago. Looking at it from a systematic side, you, you've got five lists and you're uh, shooting for 15 contacts or touches mm -hmm. per day on mm -hmm. each one of those lists. Mm -hmm. So the 15 times five gives you your 75 for the day. Yep. And you said you can knock that out pretty quickly within yeah, it's very 15, quick. 20, 30 minutes. You're, you probably are very efficient at it now. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned it's keeping you in the flow of those folks' lives you can now, in the old days, you had to go walk up to them and talk to them and ask them what's going on in their lives. Today, you can now do it through Facebook and you can see what's going on quickly and make that quick connection. Well, there are two things. Think about it like this. You now have digital door knocking. So think about it like this. You know the green dot on Facebook that shows that somebody is available for chat? That shows that they're home. Imagine if you were door knocking you know, years back and you had a green dot on top of somebody's door that you actually knew, all right, I'm going to walk up to that house because I can see that they're home. Well, now I can also see that they're a Braves fan. I can see we have two mutual connections, and I can see that they went to Millsaps College. We have something to talk about. I know a lot more about them, and we have a digital relationship now. I can see so much more. So it's digital door knocking. So if you were to message someone, like I was saying, that private message piece, you can see those people that are home, and you still don't have to talk about real estate. But what, what's going to happen? Everyone knows that Lisa sells real estate, but nobody hates to know it. Like, I don't put press listings down their throat. I don't post, um, the market's fantastic, come list with me. Now, every, every now and then I will do something that's real estate related. Like this morning, I did post that we have a, um, a new listing agent that started um, yesterday in Charlotte. But that was more for him than it was for us. You know, it was a welcome to the team type of, you know, interaction. 
And for eight, you know, and I and I did say the question on there was, what advice do you have for him? Number one, and number two, he's got several referrals. He's got needs to send across the country. Tell Andrew where you're from, and what area you cover. And I think he's already gotten like 35 friend requests. And that was before we started this call. <laughs> now a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. So you've got this system that you're using with agent-to-agent referrals, and you're also using it with your past clients and sphere of influence, it sounds like. And so you've, you've taken the same system and applied it to two areas. You said 35 plus percent of your business is coming from agent to agent referrals. What percentage of your business is coming from this past client and sphere group, either repeat or referral? It's about another 30. So you're getting somewhere around 75 to 80% of your business through referrals, either by other agents or your sphere of influence. And it sounds like, if I'm understanding correctly, you're hubbing a lot of that around this Facebook interaction. A lot of it is, yes. Well, and networking and teaching, you know, the, the name of my class that I actually teach is called Bringing the Online Offline. So I fully intend on cultivating and nurturing the relationship online. And at some point, I'm going to see something that I would reach out to them for with a phone call for or a text message. And that's where I'm bringing it offline. If I were to look at the, the flow of your business, it, it sounds like you're going out. Let's talk about those agents because it's easy to see. You're going to another town. You're going to make a presentation you're going to teach, those leads are going to come in, people are going to ask how they can connect with you more. At that point, you're bringing them into your digital world and to say Facebook to to be a friend or to connect there. And then if something were to progress towards more of a real estate business relationship, that's when you bring them back offline and, and talk to them directly through the phone or email or whatever. Absolutely. And you're kind of incubating them in there in the Facebook world. I know that sounds kind of, you know, hardcore business, but that is what you're doing. It's just you're you're approaching it with a, a lot of love and care and relationship, but from a business perspective, that's the flow. That's what's happening. Yes. That that would be accurate. <laughs> Okay, cool. I I think it's a great system that you've developed, and I'm just trying to get my mind around what you're doing, and it's obviously working. That's that's pretty exciting, and your business has been continuing to grow based on this model. I don't expect that we'll receive less referrals, but I do expect that percentage to go down because our inside sales team, their appointments are growing and growing and growing. Like, they've only been... I would say fully operational are in our, our um, you know, our calls. I wouldn't call it a call center yet, but our inside sales team has only been fully operational for about four months, five months, and they get better and better and better. So, you know, whereas we ex- we want our agents to call and sit, you know, a couple of two two appointments a day, you know, ten appointments a week, that type of thing, they have the same goals. 
and they're now hitting those goals very consistently. Where they're ma- they're each making, and we have three people. They're each making about two appointments, two plus appointments a day. So they're setting a good six appointments a day, then six more the next day. So you know, five times six, they're setting about thirty appointments a week. Some of them are phone appointments, some of them are future appointments, and yet they're still thirty appointments a week. So I do expect those numbers as far as referral percentage to go down because I expect the FISBO expired internet leads to go up. It sounds like you're developing another branch of your business. You're focusing around the the ISA team. Mm -hmm. And then you just answered one of my questions, which was how are you providing leads for them to call? And you just said for sell by owners, expired listings and internet leads. Is is that correct? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's break each one of those down. What, what are you doing to bring in for sale by owners? We're getting for sale by owner call lists. I can't tell you exactly like what source it is, but it's something similar to like Red X or Vulcan 7. We actually use Mojo. We have a dialer that's through Mojo and our inside sales, or actually that's our outside sales team. Our outside sales team calls on FISBOs and they have certain scripts that they use and they their their job is to find out, you know, more of the story. They you know, they're not hardcore salespeople. They literally want to find out, you know, how we can help, if we can help. Are these people underwater? They have, you know, certain questions they can and can't ask in particular states and they're just they're really they come from contribution. They have really good script objection handling responses and, you know, they get a ton of We've gone two ways with this. We have we had we have them set in-person appointments. If the person's like, okay, send them out. Okay, that's a great one. Or we have, okay, well, can my agent call you and you know you interview them over the phone and see if it's if, if we're a fit. And I love those because then that doesn't necessarily send the agent out to somebody that's really not motivated or really not qualified to sell or not. Re- somebody we want to work with, if that makes sense. Like, you know, if they're not motivated or they don't have to sell, it might be a waste of our time, energy, and money to, you know, put the house on the market or even go out for the appointment. So they do a really good job of, you know, pre-qualifying and setting a phone appointment if they think it's more of a conversation that the agent needs to talk about, if they need to talk about commission, if they need to talk about price, if they need to talk about, um, you know, more of our marketing plan. And that's a call that I need to make back to, you know, our Charlotte listings or Andrew or Kim needs to make in Chicago or Michelle needs to make in Birmingham to see, you know, is this, do I actually want to set this appointment and go in person out there? And very similar on the expired. And so these phone appointments, they're to build the relationship and the connection with these, these uh, leads or opportunities that are just beyond the horizon. They're not ready to do anything right now, but they sound like they're going to be pretty quickly. Well, I, like I went on, a, an appointment was made for me by one of our um, outside sales agent on somebody that was a for sale by owner on Monday I, or Tuesday. I called the, the, the girl back and she's like, well, we called, we had talked to another agent. He said because of where our house was, he wasn't even going to come out. I was like, what? Well, everybody deserves, you know, I don't care where you live unless, you know, I'm at risk of being shot. I, I think that's terrible that anybody would ever say that, and, you know, and I don't even know that on the, you know, unsafe area that I would definitely, you know, I would bring my dad or I would bring Andrew and, you know, we would at least go out and give somebody the courtesy of having a conversation because that's just what we do. And so I mean, we went over last night and these people are super excited. They're going to sell this beautiful house. It's, you know, it's, it's a very nice listing for us. It's over our average sales price. And 
I have no idea why this other agent was just rude to them. But that was, it was a for sale by owner call, and she was really reluctant to, you know, have someone out because of an experience she had. Well, I called her, you know, and, and what, I've, what I've told the outside sales team is, you know, if it's a phone appointment and somebody still is a little bit reluctant, let me get on the phone with them. Let me have the conversation. Let me assure them. And, you know, I almost want to unqualify them. If they're not ready, if they're not motivated, let me unqualify them and tell them that we'll reach out in a month and, let, you, know, once they, and you know, see if things have changed. Unqualify them. That's great. So you'd rather have them say either yes or no. You, you're trying to get them out of the maybe. Mm-hmm. And not now is you know not now is an, is, a, is a fine answer, and I'm just going to tell them, okay, great, I'm going to reach back out to you in a month or in two weeks or whatever, you know. If they're still, I know it's definitely going to be sooner. Just you know, how are your appointments going? And you know, they're going to be tired of showing it at some point. <laughs> Now, the first sell by owners, just to stay on them for a minute, are you only making outbound calls to them? Are you also sending mail or knocking on their door? Mostly calls. Or, you know, we have a script that we text if we've got a, you know, a um, cell phone number. And, you know, we just, you know, let them know that, you know, how many homes we've sold in the last two, two years, because it's 450, we can, we can easily say that. And, you know, it's a nice number to somebody. And, um, you know, how can we help you get your sold? And that usually generates a response. Or what's your time frame? When can we, you know, when can we check? Making sure we ask the right questions for them to give us the right response. Could you share with us a little bit of your for sale by owner script when you make that first call? It's funny. It's, 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 it's right out of a bold, bold script, which is another Keller Williams class. It's just, you know, we're just calling to fi- find out if you're still interested in selling this home. Depends on, like, where the house is. Because we still do have a pool of investors, so we still do have a pool of buyers that are looking, and we can, you know, we can use that piece of it. Not we, we don't tell them necessarily it's an investor, but we tell them we have a pool of buyers that have been interested in their, you know, area before, and could we come out or have a conversation to see if we could help them get it sold? But the big question is, are you still selling? Because then that br- brings it back to that pain versus pleasure. Yes, I'm still selling. I'm still getting phone calls. People are knocking on the door, you know, or or nobody's doing that because. They don't have any marketing, or they don't they don't live somewhere where the you know people are going to drive by the sign, or they haven't put it online anywhere. So we always ask, "Are you still selling?" And I assume that your approach with expireds is very similar to your approach with for sale by owners. Mm-hmm, very. We we always ask, "Why do you think it? Why do you think it didn't sell?" And you know, usually ninety percent of the time they're going to say they're going to blame another agent, and they're going to say, "Well, why didn't you show it?" Well, see, and then you know, we are like I said, our girls have a really good script objection where they say something similar to, "Well, we were, we were not working for you as a seller, so we didn't see it. Obviously, the marketing wasn't good enough." Let us tell you how we, you know, let at least tell you, or let Michelle, let us tell you how we market and have sold four hundred fifty homes the last two years. She goes into something similar to that. She does play up, you know, that I do market well. Now, you also mentioned you're, you're generating Internet leads. Where are those coming from? How are you generating your Internet leads? We're generating a decent amount of leads off of Facebook. So if we get that, and that's part of our strategy when we go in and we talk to listing, you know, we're at, we're at a listing appointment with a client. You know, we always ask them at the end of our presentation, especially if they've spoken to somebody else. We say, is there anything that we haven't covered that you think might help? And did your did the other person you interviewed tell you about their social media strategy? And I can show them that when I post a listing on Facebook, how many views it gets. Like, so Michelle in Birmingham, her page is so new. I think it's got like 115 likes on it for Live Love Birmingham. 
and I can generate eight to 10,000 views on every single listing that I post. Wow. With 120 likes. How are you doing that? Are you doing a promoted post or are you yeah. doing that just through your social group or are you doing, oh, are you doing paid advertising? Facebook, if on, in Facebook pages, you, we knew this was coming at some point that everything was going to be paid. If you wanted to get seen on a page, it's going to have to be paid, which is fine with me because it's still cheap. And I'm not telling everybody in Charlotte to go out and do it because it's what I do, but <laughs> it's just, it, if you know what you're doing and you know where to post stuff and you know how to boost and you know how to target, it's so worth the, it, it's, very, it's still very cheap to do. You said if you know how to do a couple of these items, could you give us a couple of hints? So on the boost, on the boost, if you boost a post, so and I don't do a ton of ads. We we just don't. We do we do mostly boosted posts. We don't want to pay for likes. So the people that legitimate or that like Michelle's page, the Love Birmingham page, legitimately, she has either you know asked them to like it or they I mean, they've literally found it because of something. So they legitimately like the page because you got to think about it. You know, most people once they like a page, unless they're never going to go like back to the page unless you own it. I think the stat is something like 98% of people never go back and interact on a page that they've liked before. And that 2% is like your, you know, your mom and your ex who's now your stalker. It's like nobody's going back there. They're going to interact with the page in the newsfeed. And you're going to have to make that happen because organic reach just doesn't go very far. So you, you're going to have to, for people to interact with it, you're going to have to boost posts. You're going to have to do some advertising. And on the boosted posts, you've got options you can do. You can either target people who already like the page. Well, that doesn't really help us that much with Michelle because she only has like 120 likes. Or you can do people who like the page and their friends. That's a little bit better because those people still, you know, legitimately like the page and they're likely around the Birmingham area. So they are people who we would want to see. Or you can target. And the third option is you can choose your audience and you can actually target. So you can target by location. So I could put in Birmingham and then I could do like only people that have told Facebook that they live in Birmingham. I can do plus five miles, plus 10 miles, plus 50 miles. You know, I can go all around the area and it's only going to target people who have told Facebook they live in Birmingham or X amount of miles around it. Or I could pick, so like Hoover or Bessemer, I could pick the different little cities and I could do only people who lived there. But then I can also do an age range. I could also do male or female. I don't know why you would ever change. I'm going to do both. And I'm going to do the full amount of age more than likely. Um, Unless it was a 55 and older community, then I can say, you know, 50 years old and up because sometimes people start looking early. So you've got options. And then there's an, you can put different interest in. So I could, if I was targeting agents, like if I wanted to hire an agent for her and did a, was doing a post about that, I could put in Keller Williams. I could do Century 21. I could do Remax. I could do Sotheby's. I could do every type of company. Or I can push NAR and I can do MLS. Anybody who's told Facebook they like those things is likely an agent. And so I can, you know, then target to people in Birmingham that are also say that they're, you know, that like some sort of, same interest. Or if people that like golf, if I've got a golf listing, or people who are equestrian, if I have an equestrian property, you can get really specific and target who you want to, who you want to see your ad on Facebook or who you want to see your boosted post. And that's who you're going after. When you run these ads on Facebook, there's a couple different places you can put them. You can put them into the news feed or you can put them over on the side. Have you seen a difference either one? Well, it depends. So we, we typically get more 
views and more clicks and shares and likes in our boosted post because people don't necessarily know, so to speak, that it's an ad. I mean, it does say it's boosted or it might say whatever, but it, it doesn't necessarily, or it says promoted, it doesn't necessarily look when it's in your news feed like it's an ad. And especially if you put a really good picture or, you know, you're asking a question because you're still, you know, Facebook is social. It's, it's social media. It's not selling media. You're there to develop relationships even on your business page. So even on like a listing I would post on Shell's page, it would say, this one goes live tomorrow. Who do you want to be your neighbor in Vestavia Hills? Or this one, who's looking for a four-bedroom, or who do you know looking for a four-bedroom in Bessemer? Or, you know, what would you cook first in this fantastic kitchen? Something like that, because you're still looking for a response. It's still interactive. And I, the, some of the ads, though, that have been really good have been, um, you know, put, put in, especially back in the days where stuff was still, on, homes were still underwater, you could put the um, picture upside down and you could say, are you underwater? Give us a call. And the reason you'd say give us a call is because you really didn't want them to click it. You wanted them to call you. And it's, just, it's still, though, being the inner, it's still being interactive. And are you using any other types of, lead generation systems such as Boomtown or anything along those lines where you're buying leads, Zillow leads? Are, are you purchasing any internet leads or are these all coming from your Facebook presence and Facebook ads? We have not purchased internet leads, gosh, almost two years, a year and a half, but it's over a year and a half because we, and, and, I, and be, I'll be honest, I love, love, love Boomtown. I love Rivers and Greer, who own it, and we've been friends for many, many, many years. I think they have one of the best back-end systems of a CRM that's ever created. And I was on the wait list for Boomtown for three years before I got it in Charlotte a couple of years ago. And we loved our, our, our experience with Boomtown. At the time, it was not expandable, and we were going into, we were going to be in three markets, and I was going to have to have three separate systems, and somebody was going to have to log out of Charlotte log into the other one, log out of that one, log into the other one, log out of that one, log into Charlotte. And it was just going to be, a, it was going to be a logistics nightmare. And my, my team thrives on systems and being really efficient. So we had to look for something else. And luckily at the time, Curator came along. So Curator is our CRM. It is our marketing system. It is our email system. It is our follow-up boss's CRM inside of it. And it's fantastic. It's expandable. They've redone, and it should be launching in the next day or so, our new livelovehomes.com um, website. And it's going to have all of our IDXs in one system or in one, one, you know, one website. And we, we needed something like that so we don't have to log in and out of systems. I mean, we had the same thing with .loop. We now run a um, dashboard with .loop, and Sherry can log she logs into her dashboard every morning. She's got all of the teams there. She doesn't ever have to log out. And she can easily work inside Charlotte and Birmingham and Chicago all day long. And she never has to sign out. I think she, I think she told me she got like an hour and a half of her day back once we had one system and one dashboard. Now, Curator, is that a real estate only specific or is that more generic? Uh, curator right now is, um, well, right now it's real estate only. They have a whole marketing team. They create a but most most of our ads. They create they um, create our emails. They help us with blog posts. Um, I mean, all those things are things that I can do. I just don't have time to do, and they do it better. And I am happy to let them do it. <laughs> 
What does Dot Loop do? Is that again? Is that a real estate type of uh, software, or is that more generic? And how do you use it? So Dot Loop is our transaction manager. They so the Dot Loop system. They they literally. I look at it like I, I, I say it like this. You know, DocuSign, which is just the, the um, writing of contracts, the electronic signature piece, and Dropbox. So your storage. They had a baby, and it was Dot Loop. Literally, so Dotlib is our transaction, our entire transaction. It's our storage. It's our electronic signatures. Um, it does a lot of the task management for our transactions. Like, that's, that's Sherry's thing. Like, that's she, I think she's now on their advisory board to, uh, with new products because she's been, just been using it so long, has wrote so many offers in it. All, you know, all those offers that we wrote when we were working with the, um, with the hedge fund, they still sit there. There's thousands of offers in there. Is that how you learned about it? Did you learn about it because the hedge fund was using it? No, I, they, they, um, I met them about five years ago when they um, were just in infancy, a small company um, out of Cincinnati. And funny enough, about two three weeks ago, they actually just sold to Zillow. So another connection. You, you meet a lot of people. What, what are you on the DISC personality profile? I'm a DI, off the chart both. I have very little S and I have very even less C. Lisa, let's talk about your past clients and sphere of influence lead generation. You've talked a bit about them already. You've talked about the fact that you're connecting to those people through Facebook. If we were to look at your marketing program for past clients and sphere of influence, is there anything else you're doing? Are you making phone calls or sending out direct mail or any emails? Well, it's, it's funny. So I've recently become a coach and I have five, about to be six clients, and I was literally on um, a call with one of their teams on Tuesday, and the one thing he wanted me to stress to them, you know, the, the conversation that he wanted me to have with them was, tell them what you do, you know, let's pretend we're going to be an agent on your team. How do you tell them how to lead generate? And my lead generation strategy is simple with some, you know, it, it is about your sphere. It is about your core group. And I, you know, I, I have the, had them do this exercise and I have our agents do it as well. Everybody has at least 20 to 25 people who are in their direct sphere. And what I mean by that is that these 20 to 25 people, if you don't have 25, you need to get 25 because it makes the numbers work better. <laughs> but everybody's got 25. And these are the people that if they were sitting at Starbucks, and the couple next to them had their iPad out or had, and they were looking at homes or they had, you know, the realtor luxury listings book out or they were just, you know, talking about real estate or whatever. It doesn't matter. They were, they were having a conversation or doing something related to real estate that these 25 people would get up or interrupt them and say, oh, you need to know my friend Lisa. She sells real estate. She's great. Are you guys looking to buy or sell? Like these are the people who are going to go back for you. Everybody has them. So make the list of who these people are, and then you're going to go back through, and your plan should then become, these are the people you're going to talk to once a month on the phone. These are the people you're going to text with once a month on the phone. These are the people you're going to send an email to once a month. These are the people that you're going to have some sort of social interaction with, likely Facebook, but if they're things Twitter, then that's fine too, you know, once a month. So right there, that's 48 touches with these people who are in your sphere. These are the people who go to bat for you and they, they are always talking about you because you keep them top of mind. You're not always talking about real estate with them, but you're keeping them top of mind. And then you're going to 
quarterly meetings or you're going to send them a birthday card, you're going to send them a Christmas card, like you're friends with these people. And, you know, so let's pretend the first person on my list, and it is, is my brother. My brother owns a company who does like renovations, anything from um, power washing to $200,000 renovations. Like he does, he owns a company and they do all of that. His name is Danny. Danny sends me a good 10 people a year, if not more. Well, so what, what, you, what I'm looking for on, when I'm making this list, so I've got the list of 25. So then I go back to number one. That happens to be Danny. Who are the three people that I know through Danny? They're not necessarily going to go to bat and interrupt somebody, but if they were asked, who do you know that, that's a realtor, they're going to say me. So Danny's three, the people, three people I know through Danny who would say me all the time is Danny's assistant, Myra, because she would. Danny's friend, April, who's a girl. We don't call her the girlfriend. Um, she might be his future wife, but she's not his girlfriend. And then the <laughs> third person, it, it's true. He just doesn't know it yet. And then the third person is his roommate, Dave. All three of those people, if they were asked, who do you know, if that's a, you know that sells real estate or is a realtor, they're going to mention me. So you're not necessarily going to call them monthly, but you're going to call them quarterly. You're probably going to text them quarterly. They're going to be in your databank. They're going to get your monthly emails because you put them in the databank. You have their email, and your system's going to do that for you. And then you're going to send them a birthday card. You're going to send them a Christmas card. And you're going to likely try to you know, have some interaction with them monthly on social. So it's, much, it's more like a 25 the 30-point touch system rather than an over 50 for, this, for your close sphere. But you can, you can guarantee after a year of making sure that you're touching these people that many times, I know that sounds crazy, you're going to start seeing three referrals a year from anybody in the sphere, the close sphere, and one referral a year from the other people. That's 150 referrals. They're not all going to close, but even if 10% close to them, who doesn't want 15 extra deals from people who already know, like, and trust you? And 10% is low. Like, that's really low. That's like not getting out of bed low. <laughs> <laughs> if you just didn't call these people, you didn't call these people and 10% of them are going to close with you. So you look at a number of contacts per year, but you're breaking it down to the monthly level mm -hmm. uh, for both of these groups. Yeah. Lisa, I'd like to move on and talk a little bit about your team. Now, you've talked a bit about your expansion. You've talked a little bit about your administrative group. You have an administrative group in Mississippi. You also, I think you also have a core group there in Charlotte. Could you tell us who's there in Charlotte? Who's on the team that's in Charlotte? All right. So, on the team in Charlotte, there's uh, two listing agents. There's a showing agent. There's, I think we're extending an offer to a second showing agent this week. Um, our director of Opportunity Generation Lauren is here, and um, Larry, who is my dad, head of our admin team, he's here, and then we've got um, our marketing person is here, who also is, um, she's a licensed agent, she's been with me for over five years now, and then we have Pam, who has been uh, my lead buyer's agent in Charlotte for almost six years, and then we've got one more um, buyer agent, who's been with me about three years. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then Sounds me. like about seven people, eight people with you there. Yeah. Now, we talked at the very beginning, your production, I think, was, what, 100 and, 163 closings last year. Now, that's just the eight people in Charlotte. That was Charlotte. Mm-hmm. 
and then the expansion teams are coming online, and, and that's going to ramp up production even more. By the way, what's your objective with the expansion teams? How, how big do you want to get that, and by when? Well, so, there's, so I, I like to say there's no finish line. Um, I don't have an end game. We're just going to keep building as long as it's, you know, as long as we're having fun, as long as the agents are growing, as long as they're, you know, meeting their goals and objectives. And I, I really have no number. I, I, I do want to have three more by the end of the year. Her in have been in conversations with team leaders and agents in other parts of the country, and we fully intend on having at least three more by the end of the year. If if five happened, I would I would be okay with that. Like it, I wouldn't you know lose any sleep over that. We just would have to move faster on some things, and we've been known to do that. So you know I have no I have no number in mind. On my three year plan, I have a hundred on there. Your three year plan has a a hundred expansion teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you do have a, a number, it's just a little further out. So you, you're thinking about adding three this year, and then you just see it exponentially growing? I do. Adding you know, 30, 40, or 50 the following year, mm-hmm. and then another 50 after that, because you'll put together a model that you can duplicate? Absolutely. In your vision for what you see in the future with your expansion, do you see expanding rapidly out to 100 different markets with one agent at a time on an expansion team? Or do you see more picking a market and expanding the number of people in that market? So it's really going to be more, it might not, it's not necessarily going to be 100 markets, it's going to be 100 agents. So yeah, I, I, I fully expect Chicago by the end of next year to have 10, like it, it, it could be bigger than Charlotte, just because it's a much bigger market. It's seven times, their one county is seven times bigger than Charlotte Metro. So these branches on the tree could get really large. Yeah and bear a lot of fruit. Absolutely. Do you have any recommendations for someone who's looking at starting a team or expanding a team, anything that they should be looking for in the people that they hire? So you talked about DISC a little bit earlier. And like I said, I am a education junkie. And I, I feel like you know you have to always be learning and improving yourself so you can develop and lead other people because leadership's not about it's not about me it's teaching people how to think so they can get what they want and you know that's really what I'm you know I, I don't love the word accountable I love the word achievable helping people achieve the goals that they've set for them because I'm not you know I'm not holding someone a person per se accountable to their you know, if they don't reach their goals, it's not really holding a person accountable. It's holding their actions accountable. And holding their actions is what's going to lead to their results. And so if you're holding a person accountable, it almost sounds mean, but if I hold their actions accountable, actions are, you know, that's what it takes to reach results. And that it's much easier conversation with somebody. Well, you said you were going to make five phone calls or you said you were going to have five appointments and you only had two. What can we do next week to catch up? You know, it's not, it's, it's not saying, oh, you suck. <laughs> you didn't do what you're supposed to do. It's literally holding their actions accountable so they can re- reach the results and goals that they set for themselves. When people are setting up teams, one of the questions they always ask is, how do you compensate, uh, say, a buyer agent or a, a listing agent, or in your case, also a showing agent? Would you mind describing to us how that works, what the structure is? Yeah. So I, I would say this. You've got to be really careful. So when you're starting a team, the first person you really need to hire is admin. Because if you're a really good salesperson, and I will 
gladly say that I am a good salesperson or a great salesperson. I'm terrible at paperwork, and I'm terrible. I, like I said, I had no, I have no C. I, you know, put stuff in a folder, and I have ten things in there instead of the two that I need. You know, I'm, I'm, and that's because. You know, I'm just not good at paperwork, and that's I, I know this. I know I, I've surrounded myself with people who are. I, I know my limitations. So the first part thing that somebody needs whenever they start to build a team is that admin piece, because the admin, if they're the right person, they're going to take all of that away from you. They're going to develop more systems, and they're going to get everything together for you so that you look better. And you're going to be so much more productive. Like your production should double if you hire the right admin in the first year. Cause, and then you can go, probably you still need, again, to hire another admin, a transaction coordinator at that point that is doing the transaction piece so the ad, your, you know, your EA, so to speak, your executive system can out, you know, do, handle a lot of your phone calls, handle a lot of your um, calendar planning, handle a lot of the marketing, those type of things. And then the next hire should be a buyer's agent. And the buyer's agent is going to then be able to take all the buyers off your hands because that's what they're really good at, and you're going to be able to go and focus on listings. Because in this business, you have to have listings to last. It's, it's, it's hard to have just a buyer team unless you only work on referral because where are you going to generate those leads from? You have to have listings to generate really good buyer leads. So to hire a buyer's agent depends on what you do. If you generate all the leads, you do all the admin work, you do, you know, from the team level, if the team is providing all of those features, you know, you, you may look at 50-50. It may be a little bit less than that, depending on if, you know, if they've got a showing agent involved. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of different models that can work and that I've seen work. You just got to be really careful because you don't want to overpay because then if you decide you're going to build an ISA team or, you're going to do, you know, coaching or whatnot, then it's hard to do a takeaway, you, you know, unless you can provide enough value for them to see what that little bit of percentage is going to pay for. And then with the showing agent model, it's different in different states. It's different in different market centers. It's different in different markets. I know some people who pay their showing agent $25 a showing or $50 a day or what, you know, it could be hourly the way we do it here in Charlotte is we do our buyer's agents are paying 15% depending on how many showings they have. It could be anywhere from 10 to 20% of their commission to the showing agent. But they don't, they don't do any license activity. Like they're not discussing prices. They're just they're there to show them and be the expert on, you know, showing them the property, answering the questions they have, except for they don't get into any of the negotiations the buyer agent is paying out of their side of the commission mm -hmm. the showing agent and they can elect whether they use the services of the showing agent or not mm -hmm. the showing agent is basically opening doors and allowing that buyer agent to leverage their time by mm -hmm. having the showing agent bring these folks out and 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 get them in the properties maybe why the buyer agent is showing somebody else or the buyer agent is doing paperwork Absolutely. Well, or, so we have a new showing agent starting this week, and what we're doing is we're going to, um, she's going to be um, door knocking. So we've got some different different neighborhoods that we've sold properties in it, you know, the day they went on the market, the, you know, they were on the market two days and went on a contract. You know, some of the really hot markets we're having, our showing agents are going out and they're going to door knock and they're going to either drop flyers or they're going to have conversations or, you know, their purpose is to set up listing appointments. And then when we put the signs in the yard, they are going to be able to reap the benefits of being able to show all those client, you know, all the buyer clients that are going to call off the signs or that, you know, call off of the Zillow 
listing or you know, not that we pay for it, but you know, our listings when they're on, you know, when they're on Zillow and we get the leads, all anything that we're doing marketing wise, anything that comes off that particular property that's assigned in the yard because they were door knocking, they're going to get have the, all those opportunities. You also have a, a listing agent, uh, a few listing agents. Uh, how does that structure work? So the listing agent, especially, well, I just hired one in Charlotte. He went on a couple appointments with me this week, and um, we were—I wouldn't say doing a working interview, but I just wanted to see like how he would interact with clients, and he's done a great job. And so basically, I'm going to be able to step out of most of the listing agent role again in Charlotte, and he's going to take over that. So our inside sales team and our outside sales team are setting appointments for him, just like they do for Birmingham and Chicago. And he's going to go on the appointments and he's going to list the property. He's going to send an email with certain items over to our admin team. They're going to send off the listing paperwork and they're going to order pictures. They're going to order the signs, the lockbox, all that good stuff. And then, you know, when an offer comes in, he's going to negotiate it. And how is the listing agent compensated? It depends. Again, I probably shouldn't get into specifics because that can bite me in the future. <laughs> but we, we feel... And um, most of the people there are um, agent mastermind. Since we do all of the marketing, we pay for all of the fees, we never go over 50% on a um, listing. I'll just you know, kind of throw out that in general, what I've heard is the listing agent will receive maybe half of the commission that a buyer agent will. That's about Because right. the listing agent is doing a lot less time-intensive work than the buyer agent has to do with showing a buyer or bringing a buyer around. Does that sound about right to what you're, you're seeing out there? Yeah, it, that's exactly right. Are you profitable? Yes, absolutely. Would you mind disclosing to us what your profit margin is? And what we're looking for is a percentage, not the dollar amount, but a percentage that people can use as a model and kind of shoot for. What's your profit margin percentage? The last two years, it's been really close to 35-40%. The difference in this year is going to be we've got so much invested in the new market. So it's right now it's a little bit lower, but I still expect it to be there at the end of the year. Kind of sounds like you're tracking that quite a bit. How often do you look at your P&L? Weekly. I have a coach and that's the first thing we talk about on every call. That's why you, you are able to say that you know that it's fallen or that the net percentage is lower right now, but you are able to identify that that's because you're expanding. Yeah, exactly. You can see that you're not going to get a big surprise at the end of the year because you're tracking it every week. Right. Well, Lisa, what drives you? I would have to say it's my family. I have, you know, I've got a husband. We've been married almost 15 years. I have three children and they really do drive me, you know, I taught them early on, especially when I was, you know, just starting out in real estate, you know, ask mommy what she did today when I get home. Ask mommy what she did today when, she gets home, when I get home. So they still, they may not do it every day, but they're like, you know, what did you do today? You know, last night I went on a listing appointment, which I haven't done in a couple of years. They, well, they had it go. I was like, well, mommy got the listing and mommy's clients are going to be buying a house. So, you know, they, you know, and they, they know what that means. They, not necessarily mon- monetarily wise, but they, they know that that's the things that are important to, you know, for mommy's business to grow. They don't always love that I, when I, you know, I travel and teach, but they do like it when I come back home with surprises. So 
<laughs> they actually do secretly like when mommy goes out of town. And I took my daughter this summer. Um, she, she, I was teaching in New York City, and she got to go with me. So she, she got to go to the city for the first time. She got to go on the subway. She, you know, she, it was her first airplane ride that she can remember. So it, it's fun to be able to do some of those things now. And now I'm actually getting a request to speak, and, and I have to bring her with me. I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> my other two are like, wait, I want to go. Well, Lisa, why have you been so successful? I don't give up. And, you know, winning or learning, so to speak, I, I don't ever feel like I've failed at something. It, you know, even if it does, something doesn't work exactly the way I was thinking it was going to work, I always feel like there's a life lesson, there's a learning lesson there. So I just, you know, i always moving forward. I'm always moving ahead. And um, no matter what, I feel like the relationships are important and I'm going to still, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that, you know, those get improved and those get strengthened. And, you know, I just feel like that's something not a lot of people do. Lisa, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Make their sphere list. And then get the second thing would be to get a CRM that they're going to be able to put those people in and start systematizing how they're going to make sure that they stay in touch with them and stay top of mind with those people. Because you can build a business that's a huge business by yourself with just your sphere. Do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I was telling you before, you know, one of the classes that I've taken over and over again is called Recruit Select. It's the how to how to hire people for your team and even, you know, even like a personal assistant. And one of the items that I find extremely valuable is when you're talking about somebody's life story and like what they want their life to look like, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, and the things that drive them. And masterminding with top agents is how I've gotten to where I am. It's not just, you know, relationships great opportunities. The, you know, the longer you keep on walking, the longer you keep on doing what you're doing, the longer you keep moving forward, the more opportunities you're going to run into. And that happens by relationships and that happens by masterminds and that happens um, especially top agent masterminds. I, I'm so lucky. I, get, I, I sit in Gary Keller's top, top 100 mastermind at Keller Williams and I get to mastermind with the top 100 agents in the company of over 120,000 people. I always come home and I swear my staff looks at me and goes, uh, I, I think they're scared because they have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth <laughs> when I'm going to ask them to try and they know we're going to try stuff. And, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, sometimes we have to tweak things, but they always know where this stuff came from. It came from somebody who's already been there, done that, or, or is doing it now. Well, Lisa, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Are there any parting thoughts that you have for the listeners? I would just say just do it. And, you know, I know that sounds cliche and, you know, sometimes ridiculous, but just continue to put yourself out there and the opportunities are going to come when you start focusing on them. One of my favorite life laws is, you know, what you focus on expands. It doesn't matter what that means. You know, if you, it's like when you buy a new car and it's red, now you see every other red car on the road. It's the same thing. Start talking about stuff that you want. Start talking about things that you want in your future. Make a vision board. Make a dream board. And, you know, that stuff is going to start coming to you just because you put it out there. Well, Lisa, you're building your team across four different states. Your core team is running smoothly, and now you're growing through expansion teams. 
Your ambition to reach 100 expansion agents in three years is admirable. You shared your digital door-knocking method of daily prospecting on Facebook with your 555 plan to produce 75 touches in 30 minutes and results in referrals from your sphere of influence and other agents and 65% of your production. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 249 homes worth 50 million last year. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.